This podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. Hi. Hello. Hey. Attempt it's been, to. It's been so long since I've I seen know. You. I know. We tried it's recording wild. yesterday and then we just ended up bullshitting. Yeah, for quite a while. And then we were like, eh. Annie was awake. Um, I think we were both. I had a weird day. I don't know about you, but you were struggle busting with Annie being awake. Yeah, she was awake for quite a while, so that was fun. And so, you know. We took the night off. We did. We sure did. We take a lot of nights off, though. But, I mean, anyways, how are you? Um, pretty good. Uh, I already told you a little bit about my day. Uh, what I didn't tell you is that, um... Bryce, my child ate chalk today. I hope it was non-toxic. Pretty sure it should say somewhere on this box. It normally says, like, right on the front. Well, she ripped the front, so. Um, what's the brand? On the surface? I kind of feel like I've never seen a toxic chalk, but what do I know? Yeah, well, when I Googled it earlier, like, it says that I think most, if not all, chalk nowadays is non-toxic. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that I've ever seen it not be non-toxic, at least anymore. Um, She didn't need a lot of it, obviously, because I've still got the box here. Uh, but she, she ate a good stick and a half. No, just just, just one a stick. stick. Okay, I was yeah. gonna say it looks Somewhere... like there was a half a stick. Oh yeah, because she destroyed a bunch of them. She broke them. Oh. They're everywhere. She she got my chalk. You know what? The only thing I can say is maybe she thought it was like fun dip, but I doubt you've given her a lot of fun dip in her lifetime. Yeah, no. <laughs> she doesn't really even get like a lot of sugar. Like she gets apple juice and she gets fruit. But, like, even the candy, we're, like, kind of skimpy on because my daughter's wild, so she doesn't need help. Um, so she knows what candy tastes like, though, and, like, chalk can't taste good. I don't know. Did you taste it? No, I'm not going to, but <laughs> I've had Tums before. I, I can't imagine it tasting good. <sighs> but I, I guess, what do I know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we don't know. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe we should all be eating chalk. I would prefer not to. Um, that does not sound <laughs> pleasant to me. But that's just me. Uh, yeah. Glad to hear that she ate some chalk, though. Do you want to hear how I washed her mouth out? Soap? No. Lots of I water. I panicked. Yeah. Basically, I did the best thing I could think of, which is where I just scooped her up like this with her. You know, she's like dangling between my arms. Would that be a football hold? Yes, I believe. I yeah, a football hold. That's a great way. I don't know. Ask your dad. He'll um, correct us. It's fine. He corrects us on everything. Uh, so, yeah, football hold and brought her to the kitchen sink and just shoved the little water sprayer in her mouth. Okay, I assume she didn't like that. Oh, no, she hated it. Oh, okay. But, I mean, there was still crumbs in there, so I had to get the rest of the chalk out. 
She was saving those for later. Well, now they're in the garbage disposal, so. Sorry. Oh. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of sports, I guess I have a public apology to make that I'm an <laughs> idiot. It's fine. We're, we've accepted it. I am not a sports <laughs> fan, but I am a food fan, okay? I am sorry that I said Sabres about a hockey team I have no knowledge of. The only reason I know it's hockey is because my dad has been calling and texting and teasing me. Jesus Christ. I get it. It's Sabre. My mind went to the Sabra hummus because I can associate things with food. So, you know what? It's fine. I apologize to hockey fans. I never claim to be a hockey fan or even smart for that matter. Like, it's fine. <laughs> And then my dad sits there and he's like, it's got sabers on the banner. How do I? I don't know anything about this sports team, obviously. Well, so I wait until he hears me say Koisk. <laughs> I mean, kiosk. <laughs> oh, you'll hear about it. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'll hear, hear about it. I'm sure of that. Yeah. So. Got a hole in this one. Jesus, we're falling apart over here. I can't say sabers. <laughs> she can't say kiosk. She's got holes in her clothes. Dang. <laughs> we're just falling apart. It's been a long, a long, uh, apparently. <laughs> long few recordings for us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so that's my formal apology. And hopefully this gets my dad off my back. Yes, I know that was like a few episodes ago. Like, in the 90s um but we're ahead so what 98 just released this weekend when we are recording and this is episode 103 i get it i'm behind it's not that i'm behind it's that this is the first i'm hearing of the complaints okay so you guys are just gonna have to get over it for a few episodes it's fine i've apologized so are you happy dad are you happy quit living in the past just bad for we look forward to the future here. We don't look towards yeah. the past. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, would you like to hear about my jackass dog? I would love to. I think I might have told you yesterday while we were bullshitting, but our listeners haven't heard. <sighs> She's an asshole. So she is sick right now. She's officially sick. Like a doctor has given her antibiotics sick. Um, when I say sick, I guess she's got some sort of an infection making her pee more frequently, but he didn't call it a UTI. I'm calling it a UTI. Uh, Sounds like a UTI. Yeah. But. So we take her to the vet. He gives her antibiotics in injection form. For whatever reason, it was in one of her back legs. I, I don't care where he injects, injects her. He just did it. Yeah, she winged it all day. She acted like that leg was broken. It was unusable. Anytime she was on a soft surface, her uh, the top of her foot would curl under. She wouldn't stand on her foot right. Now, keep in mind, if she was on a solid surface, like the floor, her foot would be sitting how it needed to. Well, yeah, Only... that hurts. Yeah, clearly. But soft surfaces, she made sure that foot was looking all <laughs> mangled. And then I took her on a walk to get her blood pumping and see if that moved things through. She kept falling everywhere, which some of those might have been real. I don't really know. <laughs> but some of those very well could have been fake. But that's why you don't cry wolf, too. I know, right? That's why I'm like, I don't, I'm just going to keep throwing the damn ball because that's what you want. <laughs> so it apparently doesn't hurt that much. Um, and then let's just make it even better. The first day I gave her her pill form of the antibiotic, 
just a little bit of peanut butter. She gobbled it. Okay, she didn't gobble it right up. She took it from me, dropped it on the floor. Bentley, our other dog, came up to investigate. And then she gobbled it up because she didn't want to share. So that worked. That was fine. She ate it with peanut butter. I thought, oh, easy peasy. No. Day two, do the same thing. Give her peanut butter. Bentley and Ben's are both over there like, we want peanut butter too. She's just staring at me like, are you, do you think I'm a fucking idiot, bitch? Like, no, I'm not taking this pill with just peanut butter. So I go to plan B, which is putting some extra treats in the peanut butter, thinking maybe we'll fool her into thinking it's a treat. Didn't work. So plan C, wrapping it in cheese. Cheese is bringing out the big guns for dogs. It didn't work. I tried to wrap it multiple times, multiple ways. Didn't work. So again, I'm like, all right, next plan. Let's wrap it in pepperoni. She can't resist a pepperoni. No, this little bitch would drop the pepperoni, nose it open, eat the pepperoni and leave the pill on the floor. (laughs) The only way I got her to take it, I was cooking me a baked potato for lunch. It was, and when I say baked, it was actually a microwave potato, but that's okay. It was in the microwave. I had cheese and butter and all the goods on it. I had to take part of my potato and shove it in so she couldn't just, it was like the cheesy potato is what she wanted her pill wrapped in. So apparently that's right now how I'm giving her her antibiotics is with potato. Which if my vet hears this, I know she's fat. You told me she was fat, but this is the only way I can get her (laughs) to take her her antibiotic right now. So you're going to have to just accept that. I feel like a little bit of cheesy baked potato is better than peanut butter and treats and cheese and pepperoni and cheesy yeah. potato. Yesterday, she got the <laughs> haul. It was She was winging all of it. Like, if I don't have to eat this, she keeps giving me treats. Great. And I kept, like, trying to take it back and rewrap it. Like, take the treat back <laughs> and rewrap it. It didn't work. I probably just need to get some pill pockets. But potatoes are cheaper. And I benefit from them. You are way nicer to your dogs than I am. Uh, when I used to work at that shelter back home, girl, I shoved so many pills down so many dogs' throats. <clears throat> I'm just I wish not. my dog would deny a pill. Because <laughs> we're going to be on the ground like full Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> I've never worked Anywhere where I've had to force a dog to take a pill. So I'm just hoping something I do works. Dogs I'm pretty good at. Cats, not good at. I had to give a cat like a, the equivalent of a Benadryl once, basically. And I walked up to it and I'm sitting here and there's like six cats in this room too. So they could gang up on me at any second. Oh yeah, they're going to fuck you up at any second is what I'm hearing. (laughs) So I'm looking at this cat and I'm like, I've never done this before. So I'm just like petting him and he meows and I just go Bloop, and just throw it down his throat. And the cat goes Meh, and just swallowed that pill right on up. So. Oh. All right. All right. We're out of here. Pretty sure that's not how to do it, but it works. <laughs> um, when our cat was sick a few months ago, they told us you're supposed to go from the back to the front. If you're trying to get like force their mouth open. So you like start at the back and just kind of slide your finger in and scrape it under their teeth oh good to know yeah so if ever you need it we we now have that knowledge you all now have at least that's what the vet told us like we're just going off of what the vet told us (sighs) yeah that's my update for you guys i feel like there was another update but i don't remember it so (laughs) sucks to be you anyways 
So anything else? You all good? Everything all good? Yeah. Except for the chalk. I'll let you know tomorrow. Okay. Well, if I get a text tomorrow going, I'm at the doctor's. I'll just I'll just um plan that we're not recording the- tomorrow night. Sounds good. Okay, cool. Well, for all of our listeners, this is just a reminder that you can see or you can find pictures from all of our episodes on Instagram, Helen Heels Podcast, X, formerly Twitter, Helen Heels Pod, Facebook, Helen Heels Podcast. We do have all of our episodes posted on all the sites, Spotify, everything. We also have them on Patreon where you can get early access. Um, We're also working on getting specials out for our patrons. Um, we also have our discord up and going. So if you want to join us on discord and if you would like to more easily tell us that we're idiots, that's fine. My dad loves it. He just had, well, I shouldn't say discord. He loves calling us idiots. Um, (laughs) so I'll let you know an update when the Koisk episode comes out and he, he gives me an earful, but it's fine. (laughs) Um, you guys can also email us helenhealspodcast at gmail.com. So please feel free to email us if you have. Uh, any story suggestions requests anything like that we're happy to take those Uh, also just as a reminder if you do enjoy listening to us to tell your friends family frenemies whoever to listen as well just tell everyone um yeah tell your work wife yeah tell your work tell your actual wife oh yeah especially don't tell your work wife and not tell your actual wife that's a recipe for disaster dad that's not for you mom's not gonna listen i already know Um, (laughs) for everyone else though Tell your work wife, tell your actual wife, whatever it is. Tell your significant other, if you have a husband, whatever. We don't care. Um, but I think I think that's everything. Are we, are you ready for a story? Well, I don't oh, think so. But let's, I'm not. Let's get it over with. Okay, well, look. My search, my like everything I'm being presented right now, Google, not Twitter because I don't use Twitter. Um, what is that one thing? TikTok. All of that my one thing that was I couldn't think I couldn't think <laughs> what the app was called, but all of my um algorithms on everything are kind of messed up right now, and I'm blaming the Turpin case. Oh no! Um, Is this so a what, child case? Uh huh. So when I was looking for a case. <laughs> That's what I saw was a lot of cases that involve children. So this is a trigger warning because this case also involves children. Oh, let's just get into it. On the afternoon of February 12th, 1993, Denise Bulger, she is shopping at the New Strand Shopping Center. Um, Denise is living in Kirkby, England. She had traveled to Boodle to shop. Just It's like a mall, so it's just a shopping mall. And she brought along with her her two-year-old son. James Patrick Bulger, he was born on March 16th, 1990. He was just your average toddler, at least personality-wise. From what I could find, he was actually his parents' rainbow baby. His parents had given birth, or his mother had given birth to a stillborn daughter before him. And so when James came along and he was perfectly healthy, like they were just over the moon. She was very protective of him. Like he was just their rainbow baby. Denise and James. They would be on the lower level of the shopping center. They were in the A.R. Tim's Butcher Shop at around 3.40 that afternoon. Denise would let go of James's hand so that she could put her order in and pay for her groceries. And when she looked back to find her son, he was nowhere to be found. 
during the time that she had released his hand, she thought he was just standing right next to her while she was placing her order and making her payment. Now, Denise is in a panic. So she finds mall security. She describes what her son looks like, what he's wearing. She gives them all the information. And mall security, they do announce the missing child over the speakers in hopes that the, the boy simply wandered off, hoping that he'll come right back or someone will recognize him. Right. But by 4.15 p.m., there was no sign of James still. God love this woman. I bet she is inconsolable. I'm sure. So they end up calling police and a search for James begins. Now, initially, police actually suspected the parents as being involved with the disappearance of James. Um, This is... They couldn't find anyone in the mall initially that would have any motive of taking him or anything like that. It's 1990. But they do quickly clear Ralph and Denise. So they're like, okay, the parents are no longer a suspect. But part of this is because police find a grainy video from the shopping center, which depicted the two-year-old, James, walking out of the shopping center with two young, unidentified boys. Authorities would describe them as two youths. So, you know, they see, okay, obviously Denise isn't involved. She looked away. They grabbed his hand and walked away. But the images of the boys were so poor, they weren't really able to discern an approximate age range of the boys, but they assumed 13, 14, 15 age range. Now, when Denise and Ralph heard that James had been seen with two young boys, they kind of breathed a sigh of relief. And Ralph would go on to say, quote, I looked at Denise and smiled with relief. He's going to be all right, Denise. I said, he's with two young kids. He's going to be all right. And that was in a, with an interview with Ralph. So, you know, he's he's like, oh, it's just two two kids. It's not it's not a big deal. We'll we'll find him. He's fine. The following day on February 13th, police would get a tip that an eyewitness had seen James at a nearby canal. They would go search and find nothing. And they would actually do this quite a few times. They would get several leads, and all of those would lead to nothing, at least for February 13th. So the search for James overall would continue for two days. On February 14th, 1993, James would be found on a set of train tracks by a group of children. He was found about two and a half miles or four kilometers away from the mall that he was taken from. And he was found 200 yards about from the closest police station. Oh my gosh. His body had been severed in half from a train and his body was very visibly mutilated and he was found with blue paint on his body oh my god Uh uh-huh so police they now have a murder investigation when james's body was examined further the pathologist found that the two-year-old had sustained sustained a significant amount of injuries a total of at least 42 injuries His injuries would include at least 10 school fractures at minimum. Do do we know, I hate myself for asking, do we know if these were inflicted before or after? Yes, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into more details. So they also found that one of the 42 injuries were actually the cause of James's death and not the train. They were able to determine that by the time he was put on the train tracks, he had already passed away. So still, that's just that. Okay, that's still horrible. And you said children found him. Children, yes. Oh my gosh! I believe okay. it was a group of four children, and he was 
150, 200 yards away from the closest police station. Oh my gosh. And how some, so some places described it as the police station was across the street. Others said where he was found was like up a hill behind the police station. So that's not clear on the location, but regardless, it's right there. Yeah. Now, the killers also left ample evidence, at least in the sense of weapons. They had left an iron bar, stones, bricks, a tin of blue paint, and many of these things were covered in James's blood. So just whatever they could find? Yep. Oh. So police at this point, they, like I said, they are now investigating a murder. And they begin searching for who could have done this to a two-year-old. A, a baby. A literal baby. Police, they, they would get an attendance list from surrounding schools. Because one thing they did know is that the suspects likely played hooky that day. So they were like, let's get a truant list from the schools, see who was actually there, see if we can identify anyone. Anyone that could potentially be, first of all, violent. Secondly, not in attendance that day and two boys because they knew it would be two boys. And I just want to call out that at this point, they are looking for kids around the age of 13, 14. That's what they believed. And so they do go on to identify several kids that could have been their suspects. But when they bring them in for questioning, nothing ever comes of it. But this case becomes so sensationalized not sensationalized but it becomes well known in the area very quickly and everyone is just absolutely shocked disgusted at what happened so basically anytime police would not anytime at least on one occasion when police brought one young man in for questioning they released this boy because he had nothing to do with it there was no evidence to link him but the boy and his family would actually flee the area due to threats from vigilantes in the area so people are taking this very seriously like you've got people sending threats ready to take justice into their own hands and this kind of becomes like a big a big thing for police where they're like oh we've got to make sure that we we identify these people really quickly and we can't make false accusations or anything like that now what's really interesting is there were a lot of parents in this case that were actually calling in and reporting their own children as suspects. Oh, because that they is would kind of strange. Yeah, like oh they played they played hooky or they were truant that day and blah blah blah. And so they did have those those call-ins. They also had just random people saying, "Hey, I think it might be this." And they followed those leads. They did. And as they're doing this, police, they very quickly release images that were slightly enhanced with images of what they called the youths. And this is actually what kind of brought the break that they needed. And again, this is happening very quickly within days. Now, a woman, and this was an anonymous caller, she had seen the enhanced images and recognized one of the boys as being John Venables. And she also recalled seeing him play hooky in Boodle the day of the abduction. And she claims that she had seen blue paint on the sleeve of John Venable's jacket that day as well. Oh, okay. This woman's just seeing stuff. She's seeing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So she's like, look, I know that image is John. I know for a fact that he was truant that day. He was playing hooky. Um, I call it playing hooky, cut school, whatever you guys want to call it. He was not in school that day. And I'm pretty sure we saw him in the Boodle area. 
So John Venables, he was born on August 13th, 1982. He is also from Kirkby, England. His parents had divorced when he was just three, but his mother and father had shared joint custody of him and his siblings. I didn't see anything in his background that showed any neglect or anything like that. It was just a pretty standard family unit, even if it is a split family. And with police being able to identify John, they were also able to quickly identify Robert Thompson. Robert Thompson was born on August 23rd, 1982. He was was also from Kirkby. He lived with his mother and two younger brothers. His four older brothers were taken into care. And what I understood from that, that would be like the equivalent of foster care for us in the U.S. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a bad upbringing, but maybe not the best upbringing. But Mm -hmm. still didn't see any red flags, at at least from any articles that I saw. Now, I don't know if you were following along. If you mathed it out, you might have realized that the age of these two boys, John and Robert, were both just 10 years old. Yeah, I was going to ask, were they just really tall or? The images were super grainy. And so Mm -hmm. they just, I think police were more like, it's got to be someone older. I don't believe that they, I I know for a fact, they did not expect two 10-year-olds to be involved in any way. If this is the picture, then it is hard to tell. I'll give them that. Yes, I did add that picture in here. It's very hard to see. Like you can see other people in this picture and you wouldn't necessarily know how tall they were or how old they were so yeah was... like the the person with the bag is that a backpack is that the other kid do we know oh uh, which one are you pointing out um the one in black on the right looks like he's they're holding a backpack maybe or some um, kind of bag yeah i don't know what what the bag is but like i said it's super green yeah, that to me looks like an adult, and they look pretty close. So, like, if I'm looking like this, like, he looks a lot taller than 10. Yeah. I, it's just not the greatest quality cameras. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Now, John and Robert, they were playing hooky, or like I've said it several times, they were playing truant from school on February 12th, 12th 1993. And this is actually something the boys did regularly. CCTV would confirm that throughout the day, John and Robert were seen in the shopping mall, just shoplifting whatever they could. Candy, sweets, batteries, a troll doll, and a can of blue humbrol modeling paint. Hmm. At the time that Denise was distracted, the boys could be seen luring away two-year-old James Bulger. They had approached James and taken him by the hand and led him away. And they were seen leading him out of the shopping center. And this was caught on the CCTV at 3.42 p.m. Police would, of course, they follow this lead. They're like, all right, we've got to follow every lead that we get. And they visit the boys' homes where they do discover blood on Thompson's shoes, blue paint on John Venable's jacket. And this is paint that they would quickly match to the blue humbrol modeling paint that was shoplifted from the shopping center and this matched the paint found on james and they would also further investigate and police would find a pattern of bruising on james's cheek and this actually matched thompson's shoe oh yeah 
So oh investigators, God. they learn about these two and they are just shocked. They're like, there's no way that these two 10-year-olds are the sp- suspects. We're looking for someone 13, 14, not 10-year-olds. And so at first, initially, they're kind of still looking at like what 13, 14-year-olds could be involved. But they do bring the 10-year-olds in for interviews and further questioning. And like I said, they're just focusing their efforts on the wrong age group. And huge shock to them when they start investigating and talking with John and Robert. Everything just kind of like goes haywire for them. Now, upon being brought in for further questioning, John and Robert, they, they do separate police interviews and eventually the boys would turn on one another. These interviews with the boys lasted several days, not all continuous, but they had about 20 hours total from what I understood of recorded interviews with the boys. But in these interviews, John Venables would eventually confess, saying, quote, I did kill him. What about his mom? Will you tell her I'm sorry? Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. He is, uh, John Venables is even reported to having asked investigator if James had been taken to the hospital to get him alive again. Um, okay. Uh-huh. I don't really know. I don't know how to react to that. Like, in it's, a way, it's sad, but... Uh. It's hard because it's like, that's not how hospitals work. So it's very, it's a very juvenile thought. Yeah. And that it kind of reflects his age, right? Like, very clearly. Mm-hmm. And it makes you kind of question, like, does he understand what he really did? But we'll get into it. Yeah. You you put that very eloquently, thank you, because that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what I was trying to say, and it was not coming out. I got you, don't worry. So that's John Venables. Robert Thompson, he didn't break as easily. He started by denying everything. And at one point, he was able, he kind of stuck his foot in his mouth by giving a detailed account of what James had been wearing that day. Even though he's denying being involved and police are like, hmm, that's odd. Why would this 10-year-old take account of what this child was wearing? So they kind of are like, no, we know you're involved. And as time goes on, they do get more and more from it. Thompson reportedly just remained fairly unfazed through the process. He, he didn't show a lot of emotion. Whereas on the flip side, John Venables, he showed a lot of remorse, a lot of emotion, frequently breaking down. Um, ten years old. I can't. I can't imagine what they're going through. Yeah. So John and Robert would be officially arrested on February eighteenth, nineteen ninety three. Let's just remember, James went missing on February twelfth. So the, I mean, this is going really quick for them. Yeah, they are moving really, really fast. John and Robert would also be formally charged for the murder of James Bulger on February 20th, 1993. Now, when John and Robert were questioned, it was never I never clear whose idea it was, nor why they came up this, with this idea. So they do go through this whole process, but it's still very unclear to today whose idea or why they chose to do this. Again, we know they both pointed their fingers at the other but they do give us enough information to get a bigger picture of what happened. As well as additional witnesses that would come forward stating that they had seen James with John and Robert. Dozens of witnesses. 
Yeah, because they're just walking. I mean, they just grabbed his hand and walked out of the mall, right? Oh, your blood's going to be boiling. Oh, God. Okay. So this is what we learned from investigation. We know on February 12th, 1993, John and Robert, they're not in school. They were seen shoplifting numerous things, often throwing what they had stolen down escalators just for funsies, like snatching it and then tossing it. I don't understand the game. But at some point, it's observed that the boys would begin looking for a small child to steal. Again, not clear whose idea it is. We just know they kind of are seen starting to observe children hate the wording on that but okay Mm -hmm. the pair would be seen on cctv watching all of these children that they could potentially take and their first target was actually inside a tj hughes a woman who noticed that the two boys seemed to be trying to get her two small children's attention she she kind of doesn't think much of it at first and she noticed that her small daughter and son were missing pretty quickly and she panics She would quickly find her daughter, but there was no sign of her son. And so when she asked her daughter, like, where's, where's your brother? The little girl would tell her, gone outside with the boy. And so this woman is frantic. She goes outside calling her son's name, running outside. She was luckily able to see her son who was being lured by John and Robert to follow them. And so the boy goes back to her or when John sees the boy's mother, he reportedly is like, all right, shoo, shoo, go back to your mom. And then John and Robert just kind of disappear into the crowd. So their first abduction attempt was aborted because, you know, the, the mother was like, no, don't touch my child. Um, yeah. But the boys don't leave. They just continue to wreak havoc and steal what they could get their sticky fingers on. And they would soon see James Bulger standing near the door at the butcher shop. And they saw that his mother, Denise, was distracted. And so John Venables. He takes the opportunity to lure James to go with them. John, he just kind of walks up and takes the two-year-old by the hand. And John and Robert just lead the boy outside. Later on, shoppers that did see them would state that they remembered seeing the three boys walking out of the mall. And some witnesses were like, well, we remember seeing James run ahead of John and Robert. And then seeing John, uh, John and Robert calling back and being like, come on, baby, come on. So they didn't, they didn't necessarily know that there was something wrong. Right. It wasn't obvious that these three weren't supposed to be together. Correct. Now, a pause, because on one hand, though, yes, it's not obvious that these three shouldn't be together, but there's 10-year-olds playing hooky mm-hmm. with a two-year-old. Shouldn't that have been like, this isn't right? But on the flip side of that, it was pretty late in the afternoon. And I don't know how the um, how England's school system works. And if at about 3.40 in the afternoon, they were out of school. So I'm not sure if that would have still raised red flags because it's like, this is school hours. You should be in school, not with like a two-year-old at the mall, right? Right, yeah. And at the very least, like, hey, kids, where are your parents? Right. And a lot of them... They're they're going towards like the parking lot in the road. Yes. And a lot of them just assume like, James was with an older brother and his friend, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like people didn't even blink twice while they were leaving the mall for that. Now, Denise, we know she finds her son missing, but by the time police are involved, Robert and John had had already led James out of the mall. Later on, one of the boys would tell authorities that the plan was to lure a child away and to a busy road near the shopping center and just push them into traffic. Uh, okay what hold on 
Oh my that, god, you're 10, y'all. And that's the original plan. That is not what happened. So, the duo, they lead James out of the mall and they start towards a secluded area near a canal about a quarter mile away from the mall. And this is about 400 meters. By the time, or by this time, James has begun crying out for his mom. He's starting to get scared. The older boys just kind of ignore his cries. And they make it to the canal. John and Robert would lift James up and drop him on his head. Which, at this point, he is a two-year-old that is scared, in pain, on the ground, having just been dropped on his head. And he is crying. Would you like to know what's worse about this? Please tell me there weren't people there. There was a witness who saw the boys intentionally drop James on his head. Was it an adult? Yes. What is wrong with you? She saw the interaction and she did nothing. So she walks along, doesn't do anything, minds her own business. Now... From them dropping him on his head, he did have bruising and cuts on his forehead. James had bruising and cuts on his forehead. And so John and Robert at this time, they call him back over. You know, like at this point, this is all this kid knows. He doesn't know where his mom is. He doesn't know who's safe to talk to. All he doesn't knows know are where he's at. Exactly. Yeah. And he's scared. So John and Robert, they call him over. He's scared. He's hurt. He doesn't know what to do. And they actually just kind of pull his hood up to cover the injuries that they've caused, by the way. They cover the injuries or attempt to cover the injuries with his hood. And they kind of begin wandering the streets with James. And they actually go down one of Liverpool's busiest streets. And guess what we have again? Witnesses. Witnesses. Several witnesses would later come forward stating that Even with James's hood up, they could still see the injuries. Some claim to have seen James with the boys laughing. So obviously nothing like James is laughing. He's fine. No red flags. Others claim to have seen James crying and screaming for his mom. Some claim to have even seen James resisting going with the older boys. One witness claimed to have seen Robert Thompson kick James in the ribs for not willingly going with them. And they did nothing. Another witness claimed to have seen Thompson shake and punch the two-year-old. This witness would just close their curtains to block out the scene. Another witness who saw the three boys would actually stop them. And this was an elderly woman. She, she saw it was getting a little late. She saw James was crying. She could kind of see his injuries. So she stops the boys. And she's like, what, what's going on here? And John and Robert, they tell her they had just found James at the bottom of a hill. They don't know anything. They just, they, he's just with them. They just found him. She kind of expect, accepted this explanation. And she's like, all right, well, take them to, the, take this kid to the police station. And she kind of sends him on the way. And there is a second witness for this interaction. She heard James laughing a few moments prior. So she sees the older, the elderly woman stop him. And she kind of is like, well, I heard him laughing a couple minutes ago. I think he's probably safe. And so that's the second witness. Later, when the news of a missing toddler or the missing toddler, James, is reported, one of these two women would call police and tell them that she regretted not doing something. So she calls as soon as she's like, oh, my God, that was the missing boy. I didn't even know. And so she does call police, give them any information that she had. 
And another witness would stop them as well and be given the same story that they had just found James at the bottom of a hill. They didn't know him. But this woman was concerned for James. And she would tell John and Robert, she's like, I will take the toddler to the police station. I will take him. But she had her daughter with her and she was not, for whatever reason, she didn't want to take her daughter with her. And so she asked another person, hey, can you watch my daughter for a few minutes so I can take this little boy to the police station? And the person that she asked to watch her daughter refused. They're like, no, no, no. My dog doesn't like kids, so I can't watch your daughter. Oh, my God. Every, everyone is, like, so unknowingly against this poor boy. Right? He's so close to rescue, and it just slips through his fingers. So on their w- walk down Main Street, they also enter at least two different stores, one of them being a pet store. And the shopkeepers in those stores would later tell authorities they were suspicious of the two older boys, but they would let them go. They would either shoo them out of the shop or just let them leave. Eventually, the three boys would encounter a couple even older boys. These were probably boys, 13, 14 age range, that they knew. And when asked about James, John and Robert would just tell them that it was Robert's brother and they were taking him home. So those older boys were like, oh, okay, I didn't know you had a brother. Cool, take him home. He's her, obviously. Yeah. So they go on. And it is estimated that they were seen by about 38 different people. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Some of which had seen violence commit towards James. Others had seen him crying out. Others had seen him laughing. So there's a lot of, a lot of mixture in what the witnesses had seen. Now, the boys, they get to the railway, and they claim to have reconsidered what they were about to do, but ultimately, they would go through with the torture and mutilation of James Bulger. Some claim that they reconsidered this because the police station was, like, you know, just right there, um, mm-hmm. but they, they would continue. Between approximately 4, nope, between approximately 5.45 p.m. and 6.30 p.m., James would suffer at the hands of John and Robert. They would splash the blue paint into James's left eye, continuously kick him, punch him, beat him with bricks, stones, throwing bricks and stones at him. They stuffed batteries into his mouth. There is evidence that also suggests they shoved batteries into his anus as well, but there were no batteries found in his body in that location when he was discovered, but it is believed that they did also do that. They hit the two-year-old over the head with a 22-pound iron bar. And this hit alone is believed to have caused 10 school fractures. Oh, my God. Police also suspected the boys further sexually assaulted James. His shoes, socks, pants, and underwear had been removed. And they found that James's foreskin had been forcibly pulled back. So this little boy suffered, uh, unfortunately. and it's. Horrible. And we, have, and we have no idea why. They've never given. Never. I, I, I don't under, like, I don't understand it when, when grown ass humans do stuff like this. But these, these kids, they, they're 10. They're How do you. 10. Where did you. Oh my God. So James was so badly battered that authorities were not able to conclusively identify what blow was the fatal blow. They have no idea which one. 
Venables and Thompson would then place James's body on the train tracks, and a forensic pathologist does later conclude that James had passed away at this point. They would weigh his head down with rubble on the train tracks, and this was their attempt to make it look like an accident, thinking a train would come and hit him, and his death would be ruled an accident. They abandoned the scene before a train came along and severed James's body. Now, like I said, there is just public outrage. There was before. When his body was found, there was already public outrage. Right. And now when they've found out who's involved, there's even more public outrage. And the story became nationwide for them early on in the, in the case. And it just gets bigger and bigger as time goes on. Again, everyone is just shocked that it is two 10-year-olds doing this gruesome, gruesome crime. But Did they know it was? Like, I don't know the laws here. Did they know? Did they keep it? their names redacted? Or Yes. So... Through trial, they were referred to as child child A and child B, but after trial, the judge would rule to release their names. So Fair. that was lifted after trial. Okay. So that's how we know their names now. Okay. Um, trial would begin on November 1st, 1993. And when trial started, like I said, there is just public outrage. People would be outside the courthouse shouting for the blood of the murderers. A lot of them shouting, kill the bastards, a life for a life, and just these horrible things. Reports state it was up to 500 protesters at the courthouse. Yeah, when little kid, when stuff happens to little kids, people lose uh, their shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, people are absolutely disgusted. And you might question what the boy's parents thought. And honestly, I didn't find a lot about Venables or Thompson's parents. What I did find was multiple accounts that stated the parents were moved to different parts of the country and assumed new identities. And this was due to death threats from vigilantes. Mm-hmm. But reports did state they were there during trial as well as after trial, they continued to visit their children. Now, both from how I understand, we're charged as adults. So the report stated that the trial was conducted as an adult trial. So I assume that means they're charged as adults. Now, John and Robert, they deny the charges of murder, abduction, and attempted abduction. Throughout the trial, it was noted that Robert Thompson, his reaction was cold. He showed no signs of emotion, remorse, anything during trial. But you then have that in comparison to John Venable, who he would just have these hysterical outbursts. Like he showed a lot of uh, signs of stress, remorse, things of that nature. Did they, were they able to comprehend what was going on in this? Because this was brutal and completely unnecessary, but I do worry because they're so young. Like, do they know? Psychiatrist for this case, would actually say that the boys knew right from wrong. They knew what they did was wrong. Mm -hmm. So you have psychiatrists that would testify and say, no, absolutely not. These boys knew exactly what they were doing was wrong. They may not have understood the severity of it with it being an adult trial. Yeah. But their actions they knew were, were wrong. So the public, they, with the reactions of Robert and John, They kind of take this as a sign of who instigated. 
Again, I just want to say to this day, it is still very unclear who instigated this, who the ringleader is. But it is widely believed that Robert Thompson was the ringleader. And this is based off of his very cold, unresponsive reactions. However, there are some believe that John Venables is just as likely to be the instigator. He was known to have a temper and to easily lose control. So some claimed that he had also done really weird things, but that was never elaborated on. So basically, you're probably pretty split 50-50 on who the instigator was. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might be a little bit more that people believe Robert Thompson was the ringleader. There are no psychiatrists or authorities that have ever learned of a motive, nor who the instigator was even to this day. Psychiatrists, we did talk about this just a minute ago, but they do conclude that both boys knew right from wrong. They were not sociopaths. Psychiatrists would also state that the boys were reluctant to reveal much about anything doing with a sexual aspect of the attack. So it's still not clear if there was any sexual aspect to it at all. And that is, to this day, even psychiatrists claim they cannot determine any sexual element to the attack. And psychiatrists do testify in court to these points. Also, 38 witnesses who claim to have seen the boys the afternoon of the murder would be called to testify. At least 20 hours of video interviews would be shown in court. And actually, this was a very large part of what the trial consisted of. John and Robert never spoke during trial. Um, The prosecution basically used these video interviews as their evidence along with anything else that they had and the the timeline they were able to create with the vast amount of witnesses now when it comes to the witnesses most if not all said that they were they regretted not intervening and they they held some guilt about what had happened because they had seen them and they could have stopped it so again that's most if not all witnesses forensic evidence that would be shown would also identify James's blood found on Venables and Thompson's shoes. Um, more specifically, Thompson's. They stated that he had kicked the child so hard, like it left an imprint of the shoe on him. Ugh. They stated that there was a one in a billion chance of their findings being an error for the blood oh of James matching their shoes. As well as they did find blue paint on, I believe it was Venables. I have it Venables slash Thompson, but I think it was only Venables jacket. Ultimately, John Venables and Robert Thompson would be convicted for this murder. And they would be the youngest convicted murderers in Britain in 250 years. Holy crap. They were sentenced to serve at Her Majesty's Pleasure, which could be a life sentence, could be not. It just depends on when they decide that they can be released. So at the time, it was standard for, like, this sentence was standard for juvenile offenders. Specifically, if it was for a conviction of murder or manslaughter, was to serve at Her Majesty's pleasure. Now, with this sentence, it doesn't have a maximum that the boys could be in prison for, but it did come with a minimum of eight years, which was what was recommended by the judge. Basically, the boys would not be released until they were 18. And after the eight years, the boys could be assessed to see if they were a danger and if they could be released. 
They, of course, would look at history while in prison, mental evaluations, all the stuff before releasing them. Now, before they even turned 18, there was a lot that would happen. After the trial, a lot of people were upset with the judge's recommendation of a minimum of only eight years. A lot of people were like, it should be significantly more. Especially if, like... This is this they they were tried as adults, so that confused uh-huh. me for that too. Like they were, is... they were tried as adults, sentenced as juveniles. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. So but it still feels really lenient for what they they didn't just murder a child; they they tortured, tortured and well, they kidnapped and tortured. And murdered a baby. And tried to hide it. Tried to cover Yeah. They had the sense about them to cover it up and try to make it look like an accident. I'm not saying they did a good job, but they're 10 years old. Yeah, they they put a lot of advanced thought into this. Now, not advanced in, like, like you said, they didn't do a good job, but that's because they're children. Right. They did, they thought about this enough that they knew if this looks like an accident, we'll get away with it. Mm-hmm. And then the little things in between, too, like pulling his hood up so people wouldn't be able to see he's injured. Like, they, yeah. put, a, they put a lot of um, effort yes. into this very, very unsettling effort. Yes, they did. Like I said, a lot of people are just super upset and a lot of people want increase sentenced and to my understanding taylor of goes forth the lord chief justice would actually come forward and recommend a minimum of 10 years so that kind of changes it from no 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 they're not going to serve eight years it's going to be 10 years they won't be released until they're 20 not even necessarily released they can't even be evaluated until they're 20 okay and shortly after the sun which is a local for them a local magazine they would hand over a petition with over two hundred and eighty thousand signatures oh wow yeah and this was demanding that the boys remain in custody for even longer than 10 years this was given to the home secretary at the time michael howard and in july 1994 howard would actually announce that venables and thompson would remain in custody for a minimum of 15 years so now they're not going to be released until they're 25 and not even released again this is they're not even eligible to be released until they're 25 and the home's fair to me the home secretary is like a high ranking government official. So they're, they go ahead, take it upon themselves, say, nope, 15 years. However, in 1997, the House of Lords would overturn this decision by the House or the home secretary and return the minimum term back to 10 years. They basically ruled it's unlawful for the home secretary to decide on the minimum sentence for young offenders. So they basically said he didn't have any legal right to change that term, anyways. So we have to put it back to the 10 years. Okay. I don't like the 10 years, but I understand their point. Yes, I get their point. I get that they're saying Mm -hmm. he did not have the authority to do that. In 1999, an appeal would be submitted to the European Court of Human Rights. They claimed that the trial had not been impartial. Um, The kids were too young at the time to follow and understand the proceedings in the adult court. And it was just not a fair trial for them. The claims that this was inhumane and degrading treatment for the children, those would be dismissed. 
but the question of if they got a fair trial was still out there. In March of 1999, the court would rule 14 to 5 that there had been a violation of Article 6 of the European Convention on Human Rights. And this article is in reference to the fairness of the trial. Basically, the course of an adult trial would have been very intimidating for such young children. And with all the media, it is questioned if they got a fair trial. I mean, I, yeah, I can, I can see that. I was kind of worried about that. And I will tell you, in 1999, after this came out, James Bulger's parents, they, appeal, they try to appeal this decision and say, no, 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 this, this was a fair trial. But unfortunately, their appeals failed. In 2000, based on findings of Lord Wolf, the new Lord Chief Justice, he would review the case and he would recommend the minimum sentence once again be reduced to eight years. And this is after the, the whole um, European Convention on Human Rights. So he does this review. He does reduce their minimum time to eight years. So we're back to where we started, at least with the sentence. While in prison... Both boys were pretty quiet. They were kept at different facilities. They had no violent incidents that I could find, no strange behavior. Any behavioral issues would be worked through, and the staff at the boys' respective facilities would all see improvements in the kids. They would complete their studies, and they just kind of kept quiet. Where were they kept? Because they're 10, 11 years old going to they're prison? They're kept in juvenile detention centers. Okay. So yeah, still not the best place, though. No, they're kept in kid jail. <laughs> they were quiet, nothing too crazy. Because of their good behavior in 2001, I'm Don't sorry, because it. of their overall behavior, Don't in 2001, it. both boys would be released at the age of 18. And this was after a six-month-long review by the parole board. So they didn't take this decision lightly. They were released on a lifelong license, and this is basically like being on parole for their entire natural life. So they'll never go off of parole if I understood that that law in England correctly. Wow, do we have that here? And if not, I, can we? I have never heard of a lifelong parole. I but either. I'm also, I guess I could have asked my dad. Should I text him really quick? Yeah, because that sounds great. I mean, in in like situations like this like this is because yeah they were really young but damn this was brutal uh, on parole for their entire life because the only time i've even heard of something like that is if somebody gets out of prison in their 60s or 70s and you know they might not have much longer anyway and they just so happen to pass away when they're on parole but i've never heard of that yeah, I've never heard of it either. I don't know that we do that in the States, but mm -hmm. it could be state by state. Who knows? True. Yeah. Now, in addition to their release, they were both given new identities and granted legal anonymity for life. Uh, don't, 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 I don't, don't care for that. The reason is because of the vigilantes that this, this government knows about, the courts know about even before they were convicted. And so they do have an obligation to still protect the boys, even though they are being released. And so the courts, they, they do decide, okay, they get a legal, they get legal and anonymity for life. See, so, okay. 
again, I get that, but also like what's gonna if something like that happens, what's gonna stop one of these guys now from working with children? Well, the courts, they have obviously things that they have to still abide by. There are different, and I'll get into it in a couple minutes, there are different terms to their release. They have mm-hmm. a parole officer that knows their true identity, but overall, the public is not supposed to know their identity. In 2001, one newspaper was daring enough to, push, to publish details that suggested the names and locations of both boys. This newspaper was fined for contempt of court. And were charged fines up to 120,000 euros. Not smart on their part. No. And to this day, many claims of who the boys are are still being thwarted by the courts. And many of them are not accurate. The claims could cause serious injury to an innocent person. Mm -hmm. And so there are some cases that have been brought against the ones claiming they know or have worked with or posted supposed pictures of the boys. Um, they are being charged in contempt of court. Hey, look, my dad texts back. Ooh. My dad said it just means someone received a life sentence but is not incarcerated. What? What? So we do that in the U.S. Because I haven't heard. He said yes. Okay, so my dad says yes. Oh. We apparently do a life law, a life sentence when they're not incarcerated, so they're on parole. For the rest of their life. Oh, okay. Never heard of it. I'll be damned. He's typing. Hold on. (laughs) It does not mean they're free. Well, yeah, they're on parole. Yeah. Wait, that was mean. I'm confused. (laughs) Hold on. Let's do this. So at this point, I just called my dad because texting him was a little bit too much. So if you want to hear what my dad said... You can go to Patreon, where we have the extended version of this episode posted on our Patreon for our patrons. But don't worry, I'm still going to give you a brief of what happened just like right now. Um, okay, so your dad just told us that, yes, oh. question mark. It is okay. really rare, but it's a thing. It can be a thing. So my dad just um, called. Well, actually, correction. I called my dad and said... I'm confused about what you're trying to tell me because you said, yes, life on parole is a thing in the U.S., but they're not free, which then very confused us. So I just called him. So he said, it is possible for someone to get life on parole in the U.S. However, he said that it often happens that they will reevaluate after certain conditions are met. So then the parole is lifted. If that's the same in England, I don't know. I'm just all I know is they got a lifelong license. We then, before my father interrupted us, we were talking about them getting new identities. Mm-hmm. Okay, we were talking about people that were posting, claiming that they either worked with or had a picture or whatever of the boys. They were being held in contempt of court as well because their actions could lead to serious injury to another individual that could be innocent. Right, um, yeah. Yeah. In total, I counted at least seven accounts of others being arrested for contempt of court due to this case. That feels like a lot. Mm -hmm. Like seven people had to be, I guess, held in contempt um, or charged. Seven people had to be charged before people stopped doing this. Mm -hmm. And some of those are more recent. Now, a couple terms of their release. They 
they, Venables and Thomas Thompson, I'm sorry, they were not allowed to contact one another, period, end of story, may not contact one another. They were also not allowed to contact Bulger's family. They were prohibited from visiting the Merseyside region, which is where they were from. At any time, curfews could be imposed on them, and they had to report to a probation officer. So today, Robert Thompson is said to be assimilating back into society. He's not been in any additional trouble, nothing. Venables is a little bit of a different story. His parole officer noted a pattern of him dating younger younger women or women with children. In 2002, a woman with a five-year-old child. 2005, a 17-year-old was his girlfriend. So he starts kind of seeing this pattern. And he was often surrounding himself just with that younger generation. Some believe this may have been like a delayed adolescence. Okay. So his parole officer does make note of that. But they go through, um, and they actually end up going through a period of reduced supervision. And Venables would begin drinking heavily, taking drugs, um, downloading some stuff that would ultimately lead to his arrest in 2010. Venables was imprisoned again in 2010. He was found downloading pornographic images of children and abusive images of children. This was discovered when he called and informed his parole officer that he believed his identity had been found out by a co-worker. So when the parole officer rolled up to his house, they found Venables trying to either remove or destroy the hard drive from their computer. They described it as they were trying to use a knife and a can opener to destroy it. Not suspicious at all, right? Yeah, right? Like, you. so your parole officer just walks in and you're like, oh, one second, Greg, I'm almost done here. Just let me finish up. Right. So sorry. So, the so hell? sorry. I wonder yeah. if he wanted to get caught. Like, if part of him wanted to get caught, only because you're you're an adult now. Um, why would you not destroy your computer before you called your parole officer? Don't be giving ideas to people. I mean, you're Dude, right. But just... For anyone listening that has incriminating evidence, call the police. And then when the police get there, try to destroy whatever it is. Because that's, that's the best route. I just, I don't understand, like, how he can still be so naive and dumb. But I'm glad. Yeah. Because I'm hoping, well, no, I'm not hoping. You said he went back to prison. Yeah. The parole, parole officer's spidey senses were going off, and he just was like, I'm going to take this computer, and we'll talk later. So he does get arrested. He is in prison again. He was up for parole in 2013. Now, his identity has not been released still. What we know is that the judge has allowed for the name John Venables to be said, like, yes, he's back in prison, but we're not telling you what his other identity was. And he, there's still, like, no images of him as an adult that All I right. could see anywhere. Gotcha. Um, question. You said he was arrested or taken off of parole mm. in 2010? Reduced, no, reduced supervision. He was up for parole again to be released from prison in 2013. So he was in prison again in 2010. For three years? Uh Uh-huh. You got a three-year sentence. That feels really low. (sighs) I don't make the rules. So 
He was up for parole in 2013, and during this time, James Bulger's father, Ralph, would speak out against this, his release. So James Bulger's father does, he's like, please, please don't, but he does get released in 2013 on parole again. In 2017, he is again imprisoned, again due to pornographic images and images depicting child abuse. Okay. On his computer this time, they also found a pedophile manual it reportedly oh. provided instructions on how to have sex with children child grooming and evading detection which is absolutely disgusting when can we put him away for good when can we do that so this time his sentence was for a little over three years in september 2020 he was denied parole he was supposed to be given another parole hearing in october 22 an, an October 2022, but that's been postponed. And from what I can see, it continues to be postponed. So he is still in prison from what I can find. From what I can see, he may never be released. Many articles cited a new law, uh, the Victims and Prisoners Bill. And this is what bills.parliament.uk says about this bill. It is split into three areas. Part one, the bill includes several proposals aimed to holding criminal justice agencies more strongly to account for the service they provide to victims and to improve the support victims receive. Part two of the bill would provide the justice secretary with the power to appoint public advocates to support bereaved families and victims of major incidents advocates would be appointed if there is an incident rather than holding a permanent position. And part three of the bill would make several reforms to the parole system and the parole board proceedings. This includes pro proposals to provide the justice secretary with powers to veto a decision by the board to release certain individuals that fall into quote unquote top tier of serious cases. The justice secretary would then make the decision about release themselves. So all of that from what I said, part one to about the release themselves, that is all taken directly from bills.parliament.uk. So. That third part is what may keep him in prison for the rest of his life since the justice secretary would then be able to say, no, we're not releasing him. I'm vetoing that and I now get to make the decision about their release. Do people even know what he looks like or his new name? Yet? Okay. Nope. That's dangerous. Um, I don't understand that part. Like, yes, he was granted lifelong anonymity, but... Anonymity? Damn it. Yeah. An, an enemy, see, <laughs> an enemy. Um, <laughs> yes, he was granted lifelong anonymity. I hate that word, but he's he's obviously dangerous. Like he has proved, he's not going to change. Uh, he's only going to try harder. Ugh. Um. Yes, I do think there are concerns with him, and I will say the James Bulger's parents also feel as though he should be in prison. Um. They, at least as far as Thompson goes, they're like, you know what? He's living his life. He's not causing any additional issues. But their focus right now might just be that it's on Venables because he is a repeat offender now. Yeah. Um. So, yes, throughout all of this, the courts have upheld his anonymity. On at least one occasion, they did give him a new identity. Aside from the original new identity. And so they plan to uphold this. There are some articles said that this is actually a worldwide 
anonymity clause. So like I can't find anything on him. I not not that I didn't try, but right, the only yeah. things I could find is that he's still currently in prison. Where hopefully he stays forever. Hopefully. Now Bulger's parents, they they fought to have his right to anonymity removed. They were like, no, he doesn't deserve it. But it every time they've tried, it has not come to fruition where it is removed. Now, the Bulgers, in general, their life was torn apart after the loss of their son, James. Oh my god, I can't imagine. Ralph and Denise, they would have another little boy they named Michael James. And they actually had him just a month after Venables and Thompson were found guilty. So I believe if I mathed this correctly, Denise would have been about a month pregnant during the time that James was taken. Oh, ripping the heart out. Yes. Even with the birth of their second son, they just were not able to continue with their marriage, and they would ultimately divorce in 1994. Denise would remarry in 1998 to Stuart Fergus. And she would have two sons with Stuart. Ralph would also remarry. I didn't have a clear date on when, but he would go on to have three daughters with his second wife. And Michael Thompson, he speaks out against the release of John Venables. He talks about how he took his brother from him and he wishes he he took his whole childhood as far as he's concerned. Yeah. In 2011, Denise does launch the James Bulger Memorial Trust. She was just sick of not seeing anything what she considered positive from James's death. So she launches the James Bulger Memorial Trust. Her goal with this trust is to help benefit and support young victims of crime, crimes such as hatred and bullying by giving them financial support or whatever support she can, or by giving advocates the support. Um, So that's where everything stands as of today. What we know is that Thompson is out with his new identity, not causing any issues. Bulger on, nope, not Bulger, I'm sorry. Nope, not Thompson. Venables. Venables. Venables is in prison, from what I could find. He may remain in prison for the rest of his life. It is unclear if he will. And then the Bulgars, they are living separate lives, though they both are fighting for Venables to remain in prison, as well as remove his anonymity. And Denise did create that memorial trust in James's honor. I'm glad she was able to at least, you know, like, do something with the trust. Um but it is really, really frustrating me that he's still the hiding. And the courts are helping him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's um, 40s? Mid, late 40s? 40. 40 this oh, year. He w- 40 this year. Okay. So still young, too. He's a, he's a danger oh. at this point. Exactly, yeah. Like, that's, that's what worries me. The fact that he still has his anonymity and... If he is granted parole, he's still pretty damn young. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating on behalf of the Bulgars. Uh, there was a one article that I didn't add details just because it was only one. But they talked about basically sending him off to like New Zealand or Australia or somewhere else and having him live there. And I'm like, I don't understand what? why. So why I would just... you do that to New Zealand and Australia? Uh, it, had to, it came down to the anonymity. Um, they were like, well, maybe he could start a new life in New Zealand or wherever. And a lot of these places are like, he wouldn't be accepted into that program you're looking at putting him in. Guys, 
like I know I know in America we are horrible about rehabilitation and we're all about punishment, but like it's not working. Don't send him somewhere else to some other country. The fuck? And not even tell them. Tell the other country? Would they tell the other country? Yeah, it was like a program that they would have to be accepted into. Oh, but even these countries are like, no. Yeah, it was like New Zealand. The one that stuck out was New Zealand was like, he wouldn't be accepted into this. I wouldn't even try. Can you imagine the person who found that paperwork on their desk that morning? And they're like, you got to be shitting me. Like he immediately went to the water cooler and was like, look at this shit. (laughs) I don't know. But that is the horrifying, horrifying murder of James Bulger. I hated it. And I'll be honest, I I did cut out quite a bit of detail from what he went through. So Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that I cut out a lot of it. But after the Turpin siblings, I was like, I can't put that in. My brain's already fried as is. So, yes, it's absolutely horrifying. But I think it's your turn. And I'll be honest, yesterday I didn't look at pictures. So I still have no idea what you're doing. Also, speaking of my pictures, I do have... A picture of James, as well as John and Robert when they were 10, and a picture of them leading him out on the CCTV. So, so uh, um, I didn't, okay, let's just, are you struggling? Yeah. <laughs> I know at least one of these cryptids that you've got. Oh, do you? Which one do you know? The very last one. I can't remember what it's called, but I know I've heard of it. Oh, well, I just titled the picture, so. The Totsil Worm? Yes, but I spelled it wrong. That's fine. I do see that you also took a screenshot from your phone with James's face there. And that's a cryptid in in and of itself, so. Wait a minute, did I really? Mm -hmm. If you go to the Totsil Worm and open it. Son of a bitch. (laughs) I'm going to have to crop that. (laughs) <laughs> that's fine i just thought it was i was just saying that you actually have two cryptids oh well technically in that case i have four i was just saying in that one picture okay okay i'm sorry i'm ready all right um <laughs> so um, now i'm even more glad that i decided to do this i did some a couple of european folklores oh wow so i guess yeah, James kind of does still fit in there. Yeah. All right. So the first one is not James. It is, you <laughs> called it, the Totsilverm. And it's also in, it's also known as the Dazzleverm or the Prozelverm in Bavaria, Germany, and Austria. In Switzerland, it's called the Stalinworm, Stalinverm, which is, they believe it means tunnel worm. And Stalinverm means serpent with short, thick feet, which sounds horrible. Thick feet? What? Thick feet. Why? Um, it's supposed to be, like, lizard-like, so I imagine it means, like, feet and legs. Like, you know, stubby little lizard legs. I hate it. I don't, I don't enjoy it. And in the Bernese Alps, they are called Stolverms. And... This can be translated loosely to Dragon of the Mind Tunnels. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
So this, I found this in Alpine folklore. The Totselworm has a serpent body. It can be between one to seven feet, foot long. So quite Not a wide area small. there. No. Yeah. It has a cat's face and ears. And it has short stubby legs. Like I said, they're lizard-like. And it either has two front legs or six legs total. So it could be anywhere in between there. Well, all I saw was even numbers, but I don't know. Just because they have lizard-like legs, I don't know if they regenerate if they get in an accident. So they're said to make high-pitched whistles, shrieks, or hissing sounds. I kind of okay. hope they hiss because my tinnitus killed my ability to hear high-pitched sounds. So unless it's hissing, I'm not going to know. Okay. They are said to be venomous. They specifically have poisonous breath. That's just rude. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I know a couple people that might be related to them. They got stink breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, people say that they're not violent unless you disturb it or it's burrow. Which, I mean, same. Like, if you come to my house, I'm going to breathe my halitosis in your face. So it's your fault, especially if you knock on my door at any point throughout the day. I do not guarantee I've brushed my teeth at that point yeah. in time. I don't, I might not even have on pants. Like, let's be real here. This is my house. This is my home. You're knock at your own risk. It's 2023. Nobody knocks anymore. Okay. They ring the ring doorbell. Okay. And then Ex shove their face in it. Exactly. And then I tell them to please go away. I don't my have pants on. My husband works nights. You've woken him up. He's a beast. Yeah. Now I have to coax him back to sleep. Like, this is just better for both of us. Go away. Forever. Shut the front door. Totselverm lore in Switzerland. So, I have... I got this story. And it takes place on Frunzen Mountain in the bear... The Barony of Altsax, Switzerland. Doing my best with these words, guys. So the locals were complaining that something had been sucking their cow's udders. I'm not a farmer. I don't know how you would know this. Um, Is it like, are there teeth marks on the cow's udders that should not be there? Or like thing marks? That's what I'm thinking. There's either like fang marks or maybe they're just not producing enough milk. Um, not real sure. It did not go into detail. But they were getting a whole lot of complaints about this from a bunch of different people. It was not just one cow. It was, a, it was a couple people's cows. And all of a sudden, these complaints stopped when two brothers, Hans and Thomas Tinner, Killed a cat-headed serpent that was seven feet long or more. It was black and or gray, and it had no legs. So it was basically just a seven-foot-long snake with a cat head. I hate that. I, I feel like I hate it even more that it's it's drinking milk directly from the gallon from the from the jug. You know, like we gotta it's share this cow. It's not I even don't... directly from the jug. They're they're bypassing that. They're like not even letting it get to the jug. 
I mean, I didn't say what kind of jug. Oh, that jug? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, really just a a cat-headed snake, I don't, I don't care for that. And the fact that it doesn't have any legs either, I mean, I guess at least it's not knocking stuff off the table. It does have the two front legs in the one picture. Yeah, that's and that one has just enough legs to completely annihilate my dining room table. Yeah. Oh, that second photo is also a tonsil worm. Oh, the second one is? Yeah. That thing has four legs. Yes. That is another depiction. Definitely more dragon-like. Look, if they can snuggle, I'm down. I don't know if I want to snuggle it. Like, that That worm is not snuggling that pig. Um, so another, another story is all the way back from 1660, Andreas Rodner, he was traveling with a companion who, for whatever reason, is unnamed, up Mount Vongersberg, where they saw a dragon, is what they called it. This dragon okay. was... Covered in scales. It had four feet. It had cat-like ears and face with a mop of hair. Which feels unnecessary. And also, like, how how many dragons do you know with combs? I I don't know. I just feel like mop of hair, I don't feel like it's that mean. I mean, it could be, but I don't feel like it's that mean. Like, it could be worse. I feel like it was unnecessary. You don't know what they've been through. I'm not saying it was necessary. I'm just saying it could have been worse. Fair. Okay. It was reddish brown with vein-like stripes on its belly. And it had bristles on its back. When it saw the two men, it immediately stood on its hind legs. And it was as tall as a man. So at least six feet tall. And according to Andreas Rodner... It just let them pass by without hurting them. And then we just went back to his business. Which is mainly why I say mop of hair feels unnecessary. He could have killed you. And then finally, there was a 70-year-old man named Hans... Oh. Gerter? That's what I'm going with, sorry. His name was Hans Gerter. He was climbing up Mount Kamor when he come across a four-legged lizard creature. And it had a huge head. And of the four legs, two of them were forearms. And when the creature exhaled, its breath gave Hans a headache and left him feeling dizzy. This is just a lot. That's the the poisonous... Yeah, that that's... It's the halitosis, I guess. They don't have brushes or toothbrushes. They have no brush of any kind. Well, they are a dragon. Or a cat snake. Or a dragon cat snake. Yes. That sounds like... That sounds like something that would have terrible breath, if we're being honest. So the second one I have is called the Black Shuck. This is the dog. Um, not so good boy. Not the best boy. How dare you call him anything but good boy? 
I just call him how I see him. Sometimes he's a good boy. Such a good, he's the goodest of boys. The Black Shuck is said to roam the coastline, the countries, and the countryside of East Anglia, which is an area east of England, and also the British Isles. He's also been found in folklore from Norfolk, Suffolk, the Cambridgeshire Fens, and Essex. So he's kind of all over. He's, he's made busy. his way around. Yeah, he's making his way downtown. Get my way downtown, walking fast, faces fist past, and I'm homebound. Da, 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 da. I don't know how far we can go, but I want to watch. <laughs> I mean, uh, I want to watch White Chicks now. I was like, that's not Mean Girls. Okay, sorry, go on. He's known as Black Shuck, Old Shuck, Old Shock, or just Shuck. He's a ghostly black dog with shaggy fur. He's huge. Reports have him listed as the size of a large dog, a calf, even a horse. Can I please have a dog the size of a horse? That'd be wonderful. Irish wolfhounds. I don't know if they're the size of the horse, but they feel like it. They're the biggest. They're the tallest dogs. They feel like it. They're originally said to have one fiery red eye in the middle of their head. This is Shuck, not Irish Wolfhounds. Irish Wolfhounds, most of them, I believe, have two eyes. But the Black Shuck, he has one fiery red eye in the middle of his head, Cyclops style. This one has two. That's because as time went on, now he more often has two eyes. Could not find a good picture of him with one, but picture it. Just one big red eye. Now that we know what a Cyclops is. Yes, because I'm pretty sure we were talking about that. And both of us just went right along with it. Like we were we were talking about him having three, three eyes, eyes, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah, we're the third really eye good. in the middle of their head. And we're like, oh, wait, no. Like, we're Cyclops really good. One. We're really good at cryptids and hockey. The best. <laughs> the best. Yes. Cyclops and Sabres. That's our hockey team. Taking it. <laughs> Wait, I think that'd be like a better ballet company. Ooh, Cyclops and Sabres. That does sound like a good ballet company. I think that's what it should be. Okay, TM, TM, that's ours. Cryptid Ballets. Halloween's coming up. TM, 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 TM. Okay, save it. <laughs> put a pin in that. We'll put a pin in that. I'll think of it in a few weeks when we when I listen to this. <laughs> And this is a couple weeks before, this one comes out a couple weeks before Halloween. So mm-hmm. we're full swing into spooky season by the time you guys hear this. I can't believe you set yourself up and just threw that away. You could have said we are full swing into Halloween. I'm so it sorry. Sounded, it sounded better <laughs> in my head. <laughs> it sounded better in your yeah. head, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It sounded like it was going to rhyme in my head and it did not rhyme. No. We're, we're full swing into spooky season. Yes. And that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Me and James have already started watching scary movies. I've already started looking at what I'm going to do for a Halloween costume. I've thought of Annie's. I haven't thought of mine. I want to be an avocado. I'm going to see if I can make that work. Oh, easy peasy. Mm -hmm. Please continue. Uh, Sidetrack done. Oh, yeah. So Cyclops sometimes, but mostly they have two (laughs) eyes. Um, Sometimes... They're headless, which I, I don't like it. I, I just don't know why they're just headless. Um, 
I wasn't given a reason. Okay. <laughs> and other times he's seen floating on a carpet of mist. I love that one. That I is exactly like... how it was written. That is a quote. <laughs> I would like to be floating on a carpet of mist as we speak. Headless or with head? Debatable. Depends on how much it hurts for the day. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> the Black Shuck, he's said to haunt um, East Anglia, specifically the coastline, graveyards, side roads, crossroads, bodies of water, and dark forests. I don't know what that leaves. Other than town. So basically don't leave town. Don't leave your house. Yes. Become or you will a see a floating headless dog with one eye. It's headless, but he has one eye. Just hang Hold on. on. I would rather see that than the naked man that you've got in your pictures. Oh, we're going to get to him. Okay. The black shuck, he's... From what I saw, he was most commonly regarded as an omen of bad luck specifically like um a harbinger of death um if you heard his howl basically get the fuck out of there because if you see him uh you're gonna die within the year other people claims that he came to them in dreams and they would have a friend or a family member pass away and there were still, <laughs> there was just a couple of people that described it as a helpful hound that guides lost travelers back home. Let's, let's not lie here. That would be us. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. If I could get this dog to take food for me, he's coming home with me. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We would be in the woods like, here, puppy, puppy, here. Oh, yeah. Leaving treats in a line back to the house. like Cancel and Gretel style. Absolutely. Oh, babe, he just followed me home. Whoopsie. What could we do? This floating, smoky dog with no head. We can't turn him loose. He is special. Uh, yes. Nobody will love him. Might have to feed him raw chicken or something. I don't know. I don't know what... We might have to sacrifice lambs on occasion to him, but he can stay. But no big deal. Who doesn't love a lamb chop? Maybe he'll share with us. He will if he doesn't have a choice. No, never mind. If that dog's the size of a horse, he can have whatever he wants. That's fine. You can have the couch. I wanted to sit on the floor. <laughs> you wanted the entire house? That's fine. I like living in the shed. Yeah. like That's why we got it. Crazy. It's my she shed. Uh, October, or I'm sorry, not October. August 4th, 1577. People were gathered in the Holy Trinity Church for service in Blytheburg in Suffolk. And all of a sudden, they hear a really loud clap of thunder. As they hear this, the black shuck bursts through the doors, runs past the congregation, like he's running directly through the church, killed a man and a boy, caused the steeple to crash through the roof, and then he ran back out of the church, leaving scorch marks on the door that are still there to this day. 
was he bad luck for everyone that saw him in the church? Well, I mean, he kind of destroyed it, so I'd feel like a yes. Well, I just mean, like, at least for the harbinger of death part. I mean... All those people saw him, and only one died, and it was the one that they attacked. Who? It was a man and a boy. Sorry, the two that they attacked. Some people, or some sources said that it was an altar boy, so could have been a boy, could have been, you know, a a teen, preteen. But the other one was a grown man. Yeah, I do have a picture of the church doors that I am uploading as well, though, because the uh, they are very much still there. And locals call these scorch marks the devil's fingerprints. That's about right. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's another screenshot, but I made sure to take the face out of this one. So That's You're one of welcome. the cryptids, though. <laughs> yeah, but that's a story for another time. Oh, okay. I don't have enough time to research it because it's a long one. That's a doozy. Oh, that one's an ongoing one. <laughs> but are they score? I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it could go either way. To me, it just kind of looks like lines on a door. Uh huh. Um, but I I don't know. Uh, other reports from around that time or about that time. They claim that lightning hit the church, which is what caused the damage and the marks on the door and the steeple to come crashing through. But what do they know? Nothing. Just like us. Now, that same day, though, this is a little weird. I don't know why I said it like that. It's a little weird. (laughs) A little weird. It's a little weird, okay? The same day, we're still in Suffolk at St. Mary's Church this time in Bungay. Bungay? It was said that the Black Shuck ran through this church with great swiftness and incredible haste. Both of them, not just one, both. Swiftness and haste. The Shuck ran between two people that were kneeling in prayer. Wrung both of their necks at the same time, and these two people immediately died where they knelt. Wait, don't you need hands to wring someone's neck? I guess he used his tail. Maybe. But if they did it at the same time. Maybe he has a really long tail. I mean, he's as big as a horse. Okay. Or maybe it's just the sheer force of running between people. Maybe don't run between people. I mean, yeah, that's rude. Especially if you're at the beach. You're <laughs> kicking sand everywhere, you jerks. All over my towels, which are not sand resistant. I have to use these to dry off. You know how hard it is to dry off with a sandy towel. I'm not trying to exfoliate. I'm trying to go home. And here you are running by my shit, or even worse, on my shit. And no, it's probably although, Annie for you. That's fighting. That's why we haven't taken her to the beach, because I know without a doubt that would absolutely be Annie. In Littleport, Cambridgeshire, folklore states two different backstories for the Black Shuck. One version goes back before the 1600s, and it claims that the Black Shuck was a dog killed by a friar who was attempting to force himself upon a local girl. So very much a good boy. The dog, not the friar. And the dog still haunts that area to this day. The other story is from the 1800s. 
Yeah, just a couple of years later. This story says that the black shuck haunts the A10, which is like a major major road in England. They say that it's the black shuck's owner drowned in the Great River Ouse. The dog never left the area, and so now his spirit continues to stay there and wait for his master or his owner to come back, which has just ripped my freaking heart out. It's pretty much kind of understood that uh, the Black Shuck was just a legend or folklore. But in May of 2014, in Leaston Abbey in Suffolk, the remains of a giant dog were found in a dig. And the dog, based on the bones, the dog was a male. And it was judged to be about seven foot tall and weigh about 200 pounds. That sounds a little black shucky to me. Sounds awful to me. I mean, I don't know. I still feel like, yeah, I would take home a seven pound dog. I mean, a seven seven foot dog. No, I would not take home a seven pound dog. I would get a cat because that's basically what you have. Not a big fan of little dogs. But seven foot dog? Oh, yeah. Seven foot tall, or if he just has seven feet. I'm down for either. Do it. So do you want to hear about the naked man now? I would like to know why this naked man is on a horse. Okay, I'm glad you asked. That naked man is Koshay the Deathless. Also known as Koshay the Immortal. And Koshay is from Ukraine and Russia. And this guy's wild. All right. He is either a demon or a wizard. He could be both, but he is commonly referred to as a wizard. I did see people referring to him as a demon, though. And the name Koshay is said to come from the Slavic word for bone, which is fitting because he's so old and he's so skinny. You can see his skeleton. It's like his skin is just hanging on his skeleton. Not in the horse picture, though. No, in the first one, with the uncomfortable-looking lady. Mm-hmm. That one. Sometimes he is said to ride a horse with three legs or seven legs. I'm not really sure how that works, uh, but he makes it happen. And he also likes to ride this enchanted horse naked. So that's why he's just... um Getting breezy over there. His booty is on that horse, and I mm-hmm. don't like that. This poor horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate the fact that you pointed that out. Yeah, he's very naked. He, okay, he's like too <laughs> naked. Yes. I can confirm, yeah. Like, you could see each individual cheek of his butt. Okay, it's just, it's bad. Couldn't he, okay, couldn't he use his magical powers, whatever he has, or at least let his hair grow and, like, knit it around him like it's a freaking jumper? I'm sure he could, if he wanted to. That's what he needs to do. But for whatever reason, he likes to ride his horse naked. And that horse looks miserable. I'm sure it's miserable. That horse is like, please get it off of me, please. (laughs) I can, I do feel like I can kind of relate to Koshay, though. Not on the riding horse's naked part. That sounds painful. 
Um, it's because there's a story about Koshe that says his eyelids are so heavy, he has to have servants hold them up. He's like, me too. I mean, that's just part of being an adult. You're just tired all the time, and you're so tired, people have to hold your eyelids up for you. My servant is caffeine. I don't have enough Fair money. Point. To, yeah, I don't have enough money to yeah. pay people to actually just like hold them open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I pay caffeine to do that. Do you think the servants knew to let him blink, or did they just hold him open? Do you think maybe they're just so heavy they just like hold parts of it up, but he can still blink with like the rest? Like he's got excess skin or something there that they're just holding up. Oh, that sounds horrible. People do get, like, I don't know necessarily if it's excess, but they get, like, yeah. the skin that they could just hold up. Maybe he just need a Botox. Uh, I don't think it's Botox. It's like a, I think they, there's a surgery that, I don't know if they remove the skin or if they find a way to, like, pin it somehow up better. I think they probably just remove oh, it. Oh, probably with clothespins. Yeah. That's what they do. Couldn't he have done that? Saved himself some money? Maybe so. He clearly doesn't have the money for clothing. So let's stop paying the servants and start buying clothes. Maybe that's why he didn't have any clothes. Yeah, I think you're onto something. Mm-hmm. See, okay. He just needed a price. Get his, he has to get his own, though, because I think I'm spoken for. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Cochet, he can take multiple different forms. He can be a man, a monster, a snake, or a tornado. And he prefers to abduct his female victims in the form of the tornado. Makes sense. You can just swirl around them, take off. Yeah. Like, where are you going to go? It's just going to, you can't run. You're upside down at this point. You don't know what's happening. All you know is you're in a tornado and there's a butt in the middle of it. It's not covered by any clothes. God, Sounds we're glad horrible. it's just the butt. That's so... I, I just made myself uncomfortable just with that okay. image. Is it a man-sized tornado? Unclear. Okay. Because if it's like a man-sized tornado chasing you, that'd be terrifying. Oh, yeah. I think that that would be... I feel like that would be more terrifying than a normal-sized tornado <laughs> chasing you. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I would prefer anything else except for the man-sized tornado. So you would prefer the snake? Yep. Depends on what kind of monster it is. You know what? I can see it's flesh and blood. Okay, yeah. Tornado is wind. (laughs) And it is chasing me at man-sized. I'm done. I don't know why I keep doing this for man-sized, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) i'm just just, that disturbed i'm just so for our listeners i just keep like showing like the sign that you do for like a little bit or like a lot Mm -hmm. or like this much but my fingers are basically as far apart as they can get on one hand yeah um every time i say man-sized because men are like (laughs) uh, two inches tall (laughs) (laughs) that's more than two inches thank you okay it's like half a dollar bill Three inches, then. Look, I'm closer than six, okay? Okay. (laughs) 
I'm not good with measurements, but you know what? I can look at a dog and tell you how much it weighs. So do with that what you will. <laughs> Koshe's origin is unknown, but he dates back to the 12th century. So he's the oldest out of all these guys. And he's often described as the anti-hero, not the villain, but the anti-hero. Uh, so he's, He's a protagonist in the story. He just doesn't have hero qualities. So he's, I had to Google that just because I wanted some examples, but they gave me strong morals, courage, selflessness. None of this is in his wheelhouse. Koshe nope. just sucks. I mean, he is just riding this horse naked through the woods. I wouldn't think he was any better. Uh, yeah, like it's abducting women and... I don't know, flashing people. Cochet's roles in the stories that people tell about him, he's usually the antagonist or the hero's rival. And in most, if not all of these tales, he is able to wield magic. And he's said to have multiple objects that a hero would probably be on a quest to get from him, like rings, cloaks, I don't know, you know, uh, magic things. He can also cast a sleep spell that can only be broken by playing an enchanted, I meant to Google this word, goosely. It's like a stringed instrument. In one story, he turns a princess into a snake. She did not want to marry him, apparently, and that upset him. And then there's another spell that makes him immortal. And this is like the spell. The spell of all spells. Yes, he's known for this spell because it gives him immortality. To do this, to protect himself, Koshay hides his soul in an object, and then he'll hide that object in another object, and then so on and so forth to hide it and ensure its protection. This feels like Harry Potter with the Horcruxes. That is a way better example. I thought of a turducken. It's just like Horcruxes, but like Inception style. You know, like inside of another, inside of another. Yeah, that's way better than mine. I thought of a turducken, I guess, because Thanksgiving's coming up, where you stuff a chicken inside a duck, and then you stuff that inside a turkey, and you bake it. I mean, I know what a turducken is. I've never had one. I haven't either, but... I would try it, definitely. <laughs> I heard it's kind of dry, but yeah, your your example, the Horcruxes, way better. So we're going to go with that one. Imagine that. So if you guys are Harry Potter fans, it's a uh, Horcrux. If you haven't seen Harry Potter, I'm going to just recommend you go binge watch right now mm -hmm. all eight movies. Yeah. So, because I'm not going to explain it to you. Well, I have an example, so we don't okay. have to. Okay. Um, yeah, my example was so bad. I went to Wikipedia to get a better example. <laughs> I should have just asked you, but <laughs> Wikipedia gave an arguably better example than Turducken. And they took this from the story, Zarevich, Pater, and the Wizard. And I just want, I want to throw in a note here. Um, I'm about to get into this explanation. I want to specify, I'm talking about a rabbit 
and a box. Okay. Just a rabbit in a box. Um, so in the story of Zarovich and Pater, Zarovich Pater and the wizard, the wizard is Koshay and he hides his soul inside of a needle. He put that needle in an egg. He put the egg in a duck and then the duck inside of a hare. He put the hare in a chest and then the chest is either buried or chained up on a remote island. In this specific story, the hare made its nest in a hollow log that floats in a pond in the middle of a forest on an island, which just sounds wildly inconvenient anytime you want to go home to sleep. But that's this rabbit's problem, I guess. And to add insult to injury, Koshay also made it to where his vessels could escape capture. So if someone goes and digs up the chest, but they haven't done anything else, then the duck will fly away. If they were able to kill the duck, then the rabbit would run away. It's, it all sounds very convoluted, which is why he's able to live for so long. Because this sounds really difficult. Because then if he finds out the duck is dead, he just goes in and does it again. Exactly. Well, they do it. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I see what you mean. Yeah. If some if something dies, the other everyone else gets away and then he just goes and moves the egg. If you're able to get to that egg and the needle inside of it, some myths say that you can control Koshay himself. But if you decide to break the egg, the the needle inside would also break and Koshay would immediately age hundreds of years and just perish in front of you. Okay. And that is how you get rid of Koshay the Immortal or Koshay the Deathless. So is he still around? According Allegedly. to the legend? Mm-hmm. Depending on which story you read. Oh, okay. But those are my European folklores. So does he have a fascination with young girls? In some stories, he was said to be the um the rival love interest but not doesn't come out in the end does not get the girl and in other stories yeah probably the lack of clothing if i had to guess or the bones coming through your skin (laughs) in other stories he was said to be he was said to be the father figure of the main character's love interest. So he would be the girl's dad that the main character is vying for. And at first, he's just like, he's awesome, he's great. And then throughout, as the story progressive, the hero, or as the story progresses, excuse me, the hero finds out, like, he just sucks. And he's horrible. And he's just making it impossible for this guy to win his daughter's hand. I mean, that sounds about right. I'll be honest. I'm actually kind of okay with the Tatsalworm. I would like to take one home for some reason. I will take a Black Shuck over a Tatsalworm. Um, I'll take the Black Shuck, too. And Koshay can just go somewhere else, please. He can join a nudist colony. That's that, fine. Okay. Go yeah. live his life. Totally not judging. Yeah. But let's just not ride any more horses while naked. Yes, and leave women alone. 
stop turning into a tornado. I assume a yeah. man-sized tornado to get women. No. Not, that's not how you do it. No. When they say pick up women, they don't mean literally pick them up. And they don't mean in tornado form. Right. That's, yes, they do also mean that. Those are the two main things about picking up girls. Don't do it literally <laughs> and don't do it as a tornado. Yeah. Those are the things that everyone implies when they say go pick up chicks. Okay. Absolutely. I'm still absorbing because I'm not quite sure what to think of that last story. He's... I do wonder though, because some of the things talk about the coche co- mm-hmm. kind of remind me of Harry Potter. So I kind of wonder if J.K. Rowling pulled some inspiration from that legend. And then put clothes on them. Yes. She was like, this is for children. Let's just clothe everyone. We will robe. We will put robes on neck high. No one's got to see anything. Okay. Not until the bathroom with Cedric Diggory. (laughs) Anyways. Yes. um, She clothed them, took some inspiration, which I'm not judging. Go ahead and take your inspiration from whatever legends and things. But that's kind of what it reminds I felt like there was some Harry Potter-esque items for Koshay. Definitely for Koshay, yeah. As, especially mm-hmm. with the Horcruxes and the magic sleeping spell. Yes. I was thinking the immortality, the long wizard stuff, um, being able to turn into other animals. Because Professor McGonagall turns into a cat true and so not that that's necessarily unique to crochet but mm-hmm. again enough kind of like yeah similarities all right well that was that was fun i'm glad you did something a little more light lighthearted um i yeah. do wish you added more clothing to things but that's that's okay he's Those... actually the one uh when i was like i don't know if i'm gonna throw this last one in there or not i found the picture of him riding the horse butt naked and i'm like He's staying. He's here to stay for good. Mm -hmm. I had to see it. Bryce had to see it. There you go. So if I had to see it, guys, all of our listeners have to see it. Yes. So It's a cartoon butt. Don't worry. It is a cartoon butt, but it's depicting a real old guy. I mean, a butt is a butt. There are nice butts and there are not nice butts. Okay. Yeah, that one's not great. That's not a nice butt. No. A concerning butt. All right. Well, we're going to move on from butts and say thank you for listening to Hell on Heels podcast to see pictures from this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, X, formerly Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast Linktree. We should be the first one that pops up. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye! Bye!